0: Hello and welcome to the Feeling Good Podcast. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and joining me here in the Murieta Studios is Dr. David Burns. Hi, David.
1: Hi, Fabrice.
0: Dr. David Burns has been a pioneer in the development of cognitive therapy, and he is the creator of the new team therapy. He is the author of Feeling Good, which has sold over 5 million copies in the United States and has been translated into over 20 languages. He is an Emeritus Adjunct Clinical Professor of Psychiatry at the Stanford University School of Medicine. Welcome to Episode 68 of the Feeling Good Podcast, and uh, we're continuing today with uh, uh, the Five Secrets of Effective Communication. Uh, And today we're going to talk about inquiry. Yes, I know uh, David promised that we would do the I-Feel technique, but uh, uh, we have Helen here with us. Hi, Helen. Hello. And uh, they're full of really good ideas on on this particular uh, part of the Five Secrets. So we thought that we would uh, um, talk about this today. By the way, Merry Christmas. This is being published on uh, Christmas Day. Oh, wow. So,
1: um, Don't uh, tell me more about that. Tell me more. Yes, so that would be inquiry, right? Uh,
0: Unskillful inquiry that's uh, made to detract the announcer from uh, doing
1: his job. Um, So, yes. um, I I just say we're really lucky to have you back again uh, today, Helen. You're getting a lot of fans, by by the way, uh, through oh. the, through the podcast. And before we go on to inquiry. Yeah, you had some you, questions you, that yeah, you received from the And our usually listeners. you read these and we'll do a role reversal here and I'll, I'll be the, the one reading the feedback. Yeah, because they're
0: criticizing me probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But we've been getting, I've been getting a ton of great emails from people and great questions, uh, from, from, from people. Um, so this is from, um, uh, Kat. And Kat says, first of all, I'm a big fan of your podcasts. Thank you so much. And the smiley face, so thank you for that, Kat. I have a question about the disarming technique. That's the one we did before Thought and, and Feeling Empathy. That's the definition of disarming technique is when you find truth in what the other person is, yeah. is is saying rather than arguing defensively. How can it best be used when a person is being aggressive and insulting you? I guess what I'm trying to learn is how to stay calm in such a situation, voice the truth I hear and feel from the person, but also try to be assertive about the fact that it is not appropriate for them to say certain things in an angry tone.
2: Yeah, that's a great question.
1: Yeah. What do you think?
2: I, I think, first of all, the question I'd want to ask Kat or ask myself if if somebody was saying something to me and it, in being aggressive and, and insulting, is if I, uh, what my goal with that relationship is. Because I think about using the five secrets in order to get closer to someone. And if someone is being aggressive and insulting to me, I might not want to get closer to that person. Uh, that might be someone that I would prefer to avoid uh, and limit um, limit interactions with. Uh, and in that case you you know you would probably just try to either try to set a limit or get away or something like that now there may be a situation though where you do want to get closer to the person who's aggressive and insulting and i might
1: say that in, in my therapeutic work probably in my personal life as well I mean, I've gone both ways on on that, but mm-hmm. but there have been times when people were very uh, insulting uh, t- toward me and, and aggressive, and then I used the five secrets, and they turned into my greatest uh, greatest allies, and, mm-hmm. and it's a tremendous joy joy when when that happens why don't we just briefly before we get into inquiry which is the technique for today although we could use the inquiry as one of the the responses to a person like that why don't we talk about how we could use the five secrets and the disarming technique if if we wanted to get close and and one of my points here is is that i would personally never never say to a person it's not appropriate for you to say things like that to me in an in an angry tone because that's like trying to control the other person, and that and when you say that you'll actually force them to get angrier because you're kind of scolding them and telling them they're being a bad boy or a bad girl or, or, or something like, like like that. But I I and I don't think it's 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 important to to stay calm. All, you know I think it's okay to be feeling anxious and upset, but you want to communicate in a in a respectful way if if you want to get closer to that person but I, I would say to use inquiry which is the technique we're going to be focusing on today which is asking gentle probing questions to learn more about what the other person is is, is thinking and, and feeling to, to say something like you know wow jim or whoever the person is i'm feeling a little hurt and put down right right now that would be an i feel statement and then uh, and i'm getting the feel that you're feeling that you're really ticked off at at me and, and I'm wondering if you can tell tell me more about that. What you know things I've done or said that are have hurt your feelings or irritating you, or irritated you or a- angered you. I, I really want to hear what you have have to say.
2: Yeah, How's that? I I think that sounds wonderful. And I think that one of the keys in there was the I feel statement yeah. to to let the person know how their uh, aggressive and insulting tone affected you, uh, but in a non Kind of inflammatory way.
1: Yes, and and I'll give you another example that came up on on the hike today, and I'll will di- disguise the details to protect the identity of the hiker. But uh, we had a hiker, let let's say, his, we'll call him Sal, and he he's just moved here. We'll say from Colorado to pursue a new job in, in Silicon Valley, but his wife and Children are, are staying behind in in Colorado and, until you know they can figure out what to get, how they're going to move here and if things are going to work out. So they're they're temporarily separated. And and Sal said that uh, he gets kind of lonely. He, he's a really nice guy, really handsome guy, and, and seems to have just re- wonderful uh, personality and you know kind of open, vulnerable, and uh, really cool guy and so he says i you know i like i i called her and this has been a pattern last night you know i was lonesome and just wanted to just talk to her for 15 minutes and get a little you know refueling and just make, make a little contact and he called her and she said you know this isn't a good time I'm, I'm just really busy preparing you know for for my such and such at work and apparently she has this job and she's very obsessive and she's Constantly working hard and and preparing, and then you know he 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 didn't know know what to do or or, or how to handle that. So we talked about how he could be be using inquiry. It's a, it's a perfect example. Here's someone against them treating you in a kind of a shabby way, and she's blown him off this way several several times uh, when 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 he's tried to call her and, and, and make make contact, and it feels kind of cold and, and a little bit. Uh, Little bit mean, mean-spirited. How how would you suggest Helen uh, re- responding to her if if, if you were Sal, or, or or even approaching her on this on this issue? Call again and, and raise it as as an issue.
2: Um. I have to admit, my mind wandered for a moment, and I did not pay close attention oh. to what. Well, David, that's because what you were saying is okay. incredibly boring.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll okay. model, or maybe you, you, may, you want to give it a shot, uh, February. Well, I
0: mean, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, you know, it, it sounds like uh, you're you're uh, rather busy and occupied right now, and and uh, I, I understand that you don't have really. Uh, the uh the bandwidth to to listen to me at this time i know it's kind of late and um and i'm feeling a little bit uh, lonely right now and really hope that uh, we can reconnect at some point Um, but i i really respect you know your your needs and and uh, if uh, if you want to uh, you know tell me more at some point just uh, uh we can call later or you can call me
1: I think that's really terrific What would you say
2: Oh yeah I thought that was wonderful.
1: Yeah. Another angle on it would be to uh you know then when you call later you, you know you you could say you know uh just uh Sarah uh, I don't know if you've noticed but sometimes when when I've been calling you it, there's been some tension in in the air between the two of us and 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 sometimes I felt kind of like I've been kind of uh, given the you know, th- throw cold water on the face or something like like you're not wanting to talk to me. And I I've been I've been feeling kind of hurt and and lonely. And and uh, I've been been asking myself what's what's going on between the two of us. And I don't know. Maybe you're. Feeling a loss of love, love for me, or or maybe you're angry, angry with me, or have, have, have may, maybe you found someone, someone else who, who, who's, you know, another love interest. You're certainly a beautiful woman and a wonderful woman, but I'm I'm just feeling kind of out, out in the cold, you know, the last the last few weeks and. I wonder if you've noticed it, and, and and what you think is is happening. How how are you experiencing it? And again, that would be just opening the door. It's it's all also what I would call feeling uh, multiple choice empathy. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe it's this. Can can you can you tell me t- t- tell me what what's going on? And one of the points that came up on the hike. See, what he's been trying to do is solve the problem, get, get her to spend more time with him, and then he'll, he'll say things like, well, you're not spending any time with me on the phone, and then she'll get angry and say, oh, you're just making me feel guilty. You're trying to make me feel guilty, that type of thing. And I've often said the attempt to solve problems in relationships is, is the cause of all relationship problems, and the refusal to solve them is the solution to all relationship problems. And some people understand me when I say that, and some people don't get it. But the idea is, the answer for him is not to try to get her to talk more on the phone, because that's like, then she'll feel judged, Mm -hmm. you, you know, and like she's doing something wrong and she'll feel pressured and she'll get more defensive, instead to change the focus to... To to say, here's what's going on, and you know, here it seems to be happening. And here's how I'm feeling, and I'm wondering if you can tell me how how you're feeling. And often, when people share their feelings openly, then the so-called real problem gets gets solved more or less automatically. Don't
2: don't you think though that people need a way to be able to ask for what's important to them?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and show us how how you might might do that.
2: Sure. So let's say I'm I'm Sal. I think that it's important to to before I go into Sal's voice, you know you probably need to use the five secrets first so that there's good feelings between uh the two people um but then let's say once you've you've got that good feeling, you Sal could say something like, You know, um I really love it when we spend time together, and it would mean a lot to me if if we made some time in our schedules to talk on the phone even when weeks are busy what do you think about that
1: that's beautiful too yeah and you could add some Mm -hmm. stroking to that you Mm -hmm. know because i love you a lot you're my my special person and and uh and you know men have feelings too and and Mm -hmm. sometimes we feel hurt and and lonely you know and yeah Yeah. absolutely well, let's so, uh, get into. Uh, oh, go ahead. Before
0: yeah. you move on, uh, I, I just want to be sure, be sure that uh, we we answered uh, Kat's question um, fully. I know that uh, she said, you know, how do you stay calm when somebody is is uh, being aggressive with you? Um, maybe you don't need to stay calm, and you said that, but um, she may be also thinking of the fact that if you're anxious and upset when somebody's talking to you. You may not have your wits together to to be able to use the five secrets; hence, the the need for for uh, us to calm ourselves down.
1: Well, I love what you're saying, and we might even want to set aside after we've gone through each of the five secrets, and then once we start doing integrative broadcasts on how to combine them in a variety of common human. Situations talk about the inner solution and the outer solution, and and how it would sometimes I mean we did this on the hike today too with with another another hiker who who was busy telling herself you know I'm no good I'm a loser. You know, when she's interacting with, with other people, which then, you know, makes it very difficult to, to use the five secrets. And, and we have inner dialogue. We're talking to ourselves at the same time we're talking to that other person. And if you're giving yourself messages that make you feel ashamed or guilty or enraged or, you know, o- overly anxious, then as you point out so wisely, um, it, it's much harder to use the five secrets in a skillful way. And I think that's one of the reasons that relationship problems are so, so challenging because you really have two enemies when you have a conflict with another person. One is the actual person and you need to learn to communicate more skillfully. But the other opponent really is yourself, your, your, the messages that, that, that you're giving yourself. Is that the kind of thing you were thinking about?
0: Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking about. And, and it, it doesn't seem straightforward on how to, to address this because, you know, I can't just say, Hey, yeah, uh, why don't we uh, p- push to pause button? I'm going to go do a mood journal right now and I'll be back to you in 20 minutes.
1: You know? it, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although sometimes you may have to do may that. Have, to do that. We, that sometimes. May have And we'll talk about how to do a daily, uh, daily mood log and, and, and change that inner dialogue. But, and, um, and
2: oftentimes we are, um, these are not one, one time situations. There may be somebody that, we're having to repeatedly interact with who who there might be conflict with, and so you can practice. This is a good thing to do homework for, yeah. so that if you rehearse, basically, yeah. uh, the situation, you'll be more ready yeah. When, yeah. when it arises again.
1: Okay. One more uh, question from listeners yep. here. Um, this is directed to Helen. Okay. Um, and this was, uh, I might have forwarded this, to you but I thought it'd be fun for you to talk about it on live on the air here. This is from Rob. Now Rob is one of my almost maybe my number one fan in the whole world and he is just a wonderful person. I, he's come to a number of my workshops. He's a very very smart guy. He's a very open and vulnerable guy and he often comments brilliantly on our podcasts and and things like that. So he's you know thank you Thank you, Rob. And so Rob writes to David, uh, Helen is right, exclamation point. (laughs) (laughs) I say this respectfully, but her husband should not behave that way, or whoever the person is. Did we say it was your husband or... <laughs> yeah. And I feel that Helen is beating up on herself for having that, that, that feeling. There's something beautiful about her desire not to have to listen to someone's complaining and negativity, you know, in, in, in traffic. Uh, I get the point, though. The best way to stop the unwanted behavior is not to fight against it, but to disarm and empathize. Or take Uber instead. <laughs> so uh, so the question I will ask myself is, how do I get the outcome I want, the very point you were making a moment ago, fighting or diplomacy, along with disarming and empathy? And And he says, David, you're a goat. Greatest of all time. That's the best part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's letter. why he's my yeah. top fan. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we just well, gave you a chance to comment on that. Yes, yeah,
2: so that's a that's a great, uh, great letter from from Rob, and um, Rob did a great job of disarming me. So uh, he said that um, sure. Helen is right, and so so nice job with disarming me, Rob. And um, actually, when David forwarded me this email. It's interesting how disarming works. As soon as I read that Helen is right, I felt even less attached to my point of view. So it just shows the power of disarming that when, when someone, um, finds truth in what you're saying, you, you become less attached to it. So I would say that, well, first of all, I don't think I'm beating myself up on, on getting irritated. I think it's perfectly natural and, and okay of me to feel irritated. And um, and it's okay for me not to want to listen to someone else's negative comments. Um, well,
1: I need moaning and complaining.
2: Uh, well, that, that's maybe <laughs> Not going your husband, too far. To, but if in that general. were the case, yes. Yes, right, right. Not my husband. Got to <laughs> underline that. Um, but I think you could also say there's a time and a place for everything. And yeah. so right in that moment, let's say if... The driver is saying, oh, that guy ran a stop sign. That's not the ideal time to say, I wish we wouldn't comment on drivers. So, because it's... It fuels the fire. It fuels the fire, exactly. So, in fact, I have um, said at non-driving times that, you know, I'd love it if if you just let those go so that you don't call attention to... um, to bad drivers and in fact uh, my husband did stop making those comments so go, Helen. yeah so I, I think you should think about basically timing and the concept i guess of a teachable moment when is somebody ready and, and also and open if it's done to... in
1: the context of a loving trusting inter- right. interaction rather than some scolding demanding t- 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 type, type type of thing and that's, that's another key.
0: example of what you were demonstrating earlier a way to, to issue a request but not while you know you're having a conflict. Yes. Once once you're in a good place. Yes. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay, well that's that's great stuff. Now let's talk about inquiry in, in no particular order, but we want to give people a homework assignment and I'll give it now. Okay. So we don't forget at the end. But remember um, each week we're teaching one technique. Now usually you'll integrate them to have a effective response to someone. You don't have to do all five, but you might use one or two of them or three of them, sometimes all five of them. But we want you to just do inquiry uh, with, uh, try to do five times a day. An inquiry just means to ask gentle probing questions to find out more about what, what the other person is thinking and, and feeling, and there's all kinds of fantastic applications of this technique that we'll talk about t- today. But but to, to just give you, I just want you to do it in in a kind of tr- trivial way, uh, not any intense conflict situations, but just in your. In in your everyday life, j- just get uh, j- even with 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 strangers. Uh, you you can you can ask you know g- gentle questions, and they generally like it, uh, ex- expressing some some interest in them, like. Uh, uh, Helen will now give us a wonderful example of that.
2: Well, I was just going to say, can you tell us more about what you mean, David? I just got one. Yeah, yeah there, there, there,
1: there you go. Now, was that uh, was that? Did, did you feel put on the spot just then? Uh, I was.
2: I, I ready. just got one.
1: Oh. <laughs> so you just yeah, ask people right. questions, and it's really it's it's really cool. Or you could be uh, like, oh, I I found this. Uh, when we moved back here to California, this is a trivial example. We, we went into this restaurant in Palo Alto called Jing Jing's. And I remember taking my wife there years earlier when we were just kind of boyfriend, girlfriend type of thing. And, and I asked it, you know, were you here like in 1969 or something <laughs> like, like that? And, uh, and did it have the same name? Because I remember it was arranged differently, mm-hmm. you know. And then they got all excited, and they talked about the restaurant and when they'd taken over and what the previous owner was. And it was they were just happy that I was expressing an, an, an interest in in them. And and you can do it with uh, you know, I, you know. I used to have crippling social anxiety, and now I just talk to, to, to people everywhere. In fact, I was working with someone on today's hike uh, who who felt very, very shy and has been afraid her whole life to open up. And I said, Let, let's just walk up to some strangers on, on the hike and just tell them you felt shy and worthless all of your life and that you're opening up to people and and, and, and you're not going to hide it anymore and see what happens. She was just terrified to do that. I said, you, you must... This is a requirement, you know. You you must do this. So we came across these two elderly men. I mentioned this to you before. Mm-hmm. Fabrice came with with dogs. I said, "Go up and tell them." And she was very scared, and and she she went in and said, "I yeah, I've been shy all my life and afraid of opening up, and I'm ashamed, and you know I, I never talk to people, and, and so I'm just I'm going to get over that today, and so I'm I'm, I'm telling you, you guys." And they were just so kind. And then this this, this one fellow, he, he said, "Well, I, I've had a tough time too." And she said, "Oh, well, what, how come?" And and, and he said, "Well, I, I had to escape from Nazi Germany." And I, I felt pretty shy too, you know. Pretty, I felt pretty alone in my own life. Then she just started asking him questions. She just opened up. I almost brought tears to my eyes the, just like the greatest friend in the world and just blew her mind and then she said to the other fellow you know I've well, you know, i I've, I've been real shy and who do you think about me I've been you know, hiding it all my life and he said you're a beautiful young woman and I just feel so close to you and, and then she said well tell me about yourself and then he started he too was an immigrant and had a tough time and they just opened up to her just like flowers or something and she couldn't believe it that she was able to develop such a beautiful, close relationship with two total strangers. She just, just walked walked up to. And I said, "Yeah, it's like it's the doors of perception, like Aldous Hux, uh, uh, that Aldous Huxley was that his name? The book, The Doors <laughs> of Perception, about LSD. Like the world can suddenly open up." I said, "This isn't LSD, but you've thought the world was filled with monsters, and you ask questions, you talk to people, ask ask them about themselves, and suddenly the." the world opens up and it was and then she did that with many more people and it was just really touching every every single time you can just people are lonely the world is filled with lonely people not monsters there are monsters out there but 99% of people are warm and human and lonely and you just ask them questions about themselves and so, so you can, you know, if you get on a bus, you can say, "How far is it to such and such?" That's an inquiry. Or ask the bus driver, "How long have you been driving this Even monsters
0: street? like to be asked about themselves. Exactly. <laughs> yes, they
1: often are the most receptive because they're so. Nobody says anything nice to them, so they're they they're, they're generally grateful. So that's that's your assignment. Now we're going to to and and also some people have been telling me. Uh, Dr. Burns, I'm doing your assignments. Uh, I've been doing the disarming. And then someone asked me on the hike here, how would you disarm someone who criticizes themselves rather than criticizes you? And then we practiced that. And he said, Oh, I see how to do that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, and people have been writing and saying that they're, they're doing the practice. But if you do this practice, then by the end of seven days of doing this, you know, three, four, five times a day, you'll be good at inquiry. And then you can begin to use it in these more sophisticated examples that we'll talk about now, and, and you had some fabulous I- ideas about that, Ellen. And
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, I, when we thought about this topic, the first thing I thought of was that there's sort of a stereotype of therapists saying things like, tell me more, or how do you feel about that? That's kind of like this stereotypical yeah. therapist response. Yeah. Um, and certainly if you say it in a kind of formulaic way, or if that's all you ever say, it it doesn't sound good. But actually, people really like to be asked those questions. And it feels really good when you're asked that question in a sincere way, because it indicates that, that the person be whether it's a therapist or, or somebody else in your life really wants to know what your experience was and doesn't want to know just at a superficial level they want to know your feelings about it or they want to know your feelings in depth and um this doesn't doesn't always occur in ordinary conversation and so when you do have this type of back and forth with someone it it, it's really wonderful and healing and brings brings people closer together can you yeah. tell
1: tell me a bit more about that? If you... <laughs> <laughs> that might be a formulaic example. <laughs> that, that, that's that's a great a great point. But, I
0: mean, you, you can use that formula at least once just to to draw the person out. Yeah, and once they become uh, be, they begin to give you more specifics, you can say, "Oh, and how about that part when you did that?" that and, yeah. Uh, and uh, oh, and what happened after? So then you can start branching out when you get more of the meat of what what they want to tell you. Yeah. You know, yes. And
1: I've actually done that as an exercise, like if I'm on an airplane, just to see if it works, and to talk to the person next to me and force myself and, to start asking and them. And then you wish Looks. you had a
0: different seat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was
1: effective. Like I, I asked this guy, you know, what what do you do? And 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 he says, oh, I'm a you know coal engineer. Uh, and he says, "I, you know, I work in coal mines and devise the tunnels." And, and so I sort "Oh, that 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 that's really interesting. Do you ever find like weird things down there?" And he says, "Oh, yeah. Sometimes we find like dinosaur remains and that stuff." And I said, "Well, well, tell me about about that." And he started talking, all the chattering mm-hmm. about that, and. And I said, How much does coal cost? And, you know, I said, suppose I wanted to buy like, you know, a hundred pounds of coal or something, Mm -hmm. how much would it cost? You know, it's only about like seventy five cents for something. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, it's like real cheap. And, you know, he was just happy as could be. I don't think anyone had ever asked him about his, you know, coal. Yes.
2: <laughs> you had a sincere desire yeah. uh, to find, to get to know him. And, and yeah. that feels really good to people. Yeah.
1: Um, now, you made a point mm-hmm. earlier is that we're kind of a, a self-centered Culture to to a certain extent, and mm-hmm. and that uh, we we're often talking about ourselves. And in the last remember in the last podcast, we talked about this error that the therapists sometimes make of when a patient is upset. You start talking yeah. about yourself as yeah. if you're so important. They're going to be so <laughs> impressed with your experiences, and and they get left out in the in the cold. But when you use I when you use uh, inquiry, you're asking people to talk about themselves. You're you're expressing an interest in in them, uh, and and it's kind of like an other centered uh, kind of conversation.
2: Yeah, don't you think that
1: sometimes uh,
0: people don't really like to talk about themselves? Like, oh, you know, just divert the conversation away from me. Haven't you encountered people like this?
2: Yes, yes, I definitely have. So. Um yeah, that's that's tricky. So it may depend you on the context. Yeah. You, know? you don't want to force to, somebody. Yeah,
0: then we need to develop a trust first. You know?
2: uh, exactly, exactly.
1: Yes, in fact, when I was down in Anaheim, I shouldn't say this, but... Uh, uh,
2: if you lead with that, usually the answer is you should. Well, it was at this wonderful right. conference, Give this uh, evolution
1: of psychotherapy conference, and, and it was fantastic. It was just Jeffrey Zeig from uh, Phoenix puts it on mm-hmm. with the Eriksonian, yeah, yeah. and, and it was blow away. I mean, it mm-hmm. was just so user friendly, and one of my presentations on Thursday morning, two thousand people. Wow. were there huh. and yeah. they were like cheering and laughing and applauding i showed the the jumping jacks videotape okay and they absolutely ate, ate it up but anyway they had like you know like luncheons for us uh, and and i didn't know any of the people i'm pretty shy and uh, so there was this one woman, and, you know, she was. I said, "What? Who are you?" And she said, "Oh, I'm so and so. You've probably heard of me, you
0: know." <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you say no? I have.
1: <laughs> and she had some book that's been out for, for, for quite a while, fairly well-known book, and it's all about being real and being vulnerable and, and, and not being, being fake, you know, and stuff like that. And so I was using inquiry because mm-hmm. I was so anxious and, you know, I was trying to get her to tell me about her book and, and she's talking about how important it is to be open and vulnerable and, and stuff and how, you know, shame is the worst, worst emotion and, and I said, "Oh, I agree. I often feel ashamed, you know, in my teaching. If I'll get a criticism from mm-hmm. students, and I feel ashamed, and then I feel like I have to hide my shame because it's so shameful to feel ashamed." And then, and she, and I, and I said, hey, have, "Have you sometimes, you know, struggled with shame as, as well?" She says, "Oh, yes." And I said, "Well, tell me about the things that you're ashamed of." And she says, "Oh, I don't want to talk about." it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> she got
1: real snippy and.
2: Oh gosh! Did she ask you who you were? No. Oh, that would have been awesome if you got to say the David Burns.
1: (laughs) But I introduced I introduced myself as David, and Uh uh, and there was another woman that sat down. Said, "Uh, "Who are you?" And she, uh, my name's David. She was really really nice, and then she came up to me about ten minutes later. She said. Or are you the David Burns? <laughs> That's me. she said, she said, I'm so glad you introduced yourself as David. Everyone else is saying, Oh, I'm so and so. Yeah. You probably have read my book t- mm-hmm. t- type of thing. But anyway, getting back to this, it can be very helpful uh, for shy people. And I struggled with horrible uh, social anxiety for, for most, much of my life. And, and just to, to talk to people and, and, and ask them questions about themselves is really Is really really neat especially if you're shy to have other centered conversations and I've given shy people the uh, the the instruction is go out and and talk to you know five strangers every day and Mm -hmm. ask them about themselves use the disarming technique agree with them Mm -hmm. use stroking compliment them use thought and feeling empathy acknowledge how how their feelings but you don't need to talk about yourself
2: right because yeah, and social anxiety or people who get nervous um, talking to other people, they there's so much focus on themselves. What if I say something stupid? What if I look yes. stupid? Yes. Um, so inquiry and thinking about asking the other person questions shifts the focus from all the self. This shifts the focus from the self to the other person
1: yes absolutely now what would we say to listeners who say i'm too nervous to go out and ask people questions
2: that's exactly why you should do it Uh, exactly you mean i have easier but
1: how could i do this if i'm real anxious
2: you know uh nobody has to do it but if they'd like to get over their anxiety that's the price that they have to pay
1: there there we go i love i love that now there are errors uh, well, there's a lot of other quick points we want to make about the uh, in- inquiry. Uh, one of the errors, uh, like, let, this is ha- important for therapists, uh, as well as for mothers and fathers who have like, maybe a, a, you know, a, a child who's upset or you have a, a friend who's up, upset. And, um, and, and if, if, if they, that person is, is criticizing you, Mm-hmm. Uh, you 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 can use inquiry as as one of the, the, the techniques, but often uh, the therapist w- w- will say the patient will say, "Oh, you're not helping me, and you're you're you know you don't care about me, or something." I say, "Well, what could I do that would be more helpful to you?" That that sounds like inquiry. Why why is that a poor response?
2: Because that is um, that is not asked in the spirit of trying to get closer to the other person that's asking, uh, the therapist or whatever, there's asking the, sorry, the, the, the crit- critique or the patient to solve the problem. And, um, so, so that's, yeah, that's not really trying to make a connection. It's more like how how can I Yeah, you, like you sh- tell me how to fix this? Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm just kinda of like saying, let's shut up. I don't want to hear yeah. any more about your anger and your complaining and let's mm-hmm. let's get on, make nice or let's go on to something else. And mm-hmm. then a, a better inquiry would be can you tell me more about what I've said or done that, that hurt your feelings or angered you? Tell me about the problems I haven't been helping you with. Tell me yeah. about how it feels, tell me about your anger and your disappointment. That's like opening opening the door.
2: Absolutely. It's like I'll take everything that you already gave me and I want more, um, that you're just so open to to whatever the person has to say. And, and that really has a profound effect on the recipient.
1: Yeah, but it takes courage to, to use these techniques because yeah. we're afraid of hearing these things sometimes. You made another tremendous point er- earlier about errors with inquiry. You say... Why can't you say to somebody, well, why do you feel that way? Isn't that a good inquiry?
2: Right. So the problem with that one is you're asking the, the person to justify their point of view. And um, that's also, that's putting them on the spot and is also not in the spirit of being open to to whatever the other person has to say.
0: Also, when you ask a why question, uh-huh. um, it puts you in your head, you become...
1: Oh yeah. irrationalized
0: oh, yeah. thing and you're not really uh, listening to your own feelings.
1: Yeah. Good point. And it's like yeah. a debate, why do you feel that way It's like saying you're a jerk, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Right. Uh, admit what a loser you are type of thing. Um, uh, do you have a other point? Um, I had one thing I wanted to end up with here but
2: Yeah, I had well, maybe just elaborations on this that um in these podcast listeners are hearing about all the five secrets. And um, I think if you skip inquiry and just use four secrets, it will be kind of a stingy version um, because you're saying that you will, let's say, disarm and use, I feel, and thought empathy and feeling empathy with the information the patient gave you or the friend. friend or whatever, but you're not open to anything else. So I think by adding inquiry, it's very generous and open and saying... I got everything that you just told me and i'm I'm open to hearing anything else or I, I really want to know your point of view. Um,
0: yeah that that sounds like a really good point. I, I hadn't really uh, considered that before, but it's true that if you use four secrets, it's like every time you kind of like uh, in a way you you um, deflect mm-hmm. whatever criticism is coming at you. But you, you don't you don't follow through with it. You don't go along with the the person. You just wait until they come back, until they don't come back anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, it's very stingy. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Another uh, important point about inquiry. and Then I had a quick quick story on it, if we have time for it. But the uh, to do it as the last thing. Um, we're doing it third in the podcast because we're just doing things in the order that they are on the EAR empathy, you know, disarming empathy inquiry. I feel statements and stroking, but in a, in a, in a conversation, you always want to end with inquiry. If, yeah. if you have it halfway through and say, I want to hear more about mm. that, but then you go on and say other things, it's like saying, I don't really want to hear yeah. what, what what you have to say, That that's a minor point. Now, the, it, inquiry ha, has a tremendous ap, uh, application and, and stroking also. In uh, job applications or, or college a- applications, uh, most people who are applying for positions make the mistake of trying to impress the interviewer w- with yourself, and that puts you under pressure.
0: You mean face to face, not on a written application? Yeah, yeah. An interview. 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 Yeah. yeah, an
1: interview. Yeah, that's what I mean. Thank you. Yeah, um, and, um, and 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 generally. People who are interviewing for jobs or schools, they don't care that much about you. Who, who do they care about?
0: Well, themselves. That's
1: right. And so if you get them talking about themselves and stroke them and show an interest in them, you'll often come out way ahead of the other candidates who are trying to impress the interviewer. And I can give a quick example of that. That uh you 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 know that I went to to medical school, I'm a medical doctor like like yourself, but I wasn't a pre medical student in college. And I and a, an amorous advisor told me to apply to medical school. I said I'm not a pre medical student, and and he and he said, oh, go we'll just apply anyway. I'm sure you'll you'll get in. And he thought it would be better to be a psychiatrist than a psychologist. And in retrospect, I I should have I think been a psychologist would have been more up my up my alley. But at any rate, I got, no an, uh, yeah, I, got a, I got an interview at Stanford Medical School. I don't think we've I've, we've talked on the podcast about it. I don't recall it. that, actually, yeah. no. So uh, I got an interview at Stanford, and, uh, and so I was pretty nervous because he'll be asking me about my research. and Well, I don't have any, you know, were you a chemistry major, David, <laughs> or, a, you know... Uh, Biology. No, no, sir, I was a philosophy major. <laughs> and didn't you spend a lot
2: of time on your motorcycle? <laughs> well, in medical school. Okay. That, right, that, that came, came later. Later. <laughs>
1: that came about as a result of this interview, oh, okay. actually. Um, so, and I met this fellow in the basement at Stanford of, of the museum, this where they have... Counter, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and under there was the anatomy building, and they had all the cadavers down there. mm mm-hmm. And so I, I was thinking, I gotta. I don't want this guy to ask me too much about myself. So I, I shot a question at, at him, and, and I said, "God, it's kind of dark. Gosh, it's kind of dark and creepy down here. Is this where the medical students cut up the bodies?" And and and, and, and I said, "Is that kind of weird having, having your office down down, down here?" And, and, and he said, "Oh no, it's actually really neat down here. My laboratory is is right down the hall." And So I said, "Oh, you know, would you be willing to show me your laboratory? I'd love to, you know, find out about your research and what you're doing." He said, "Oh, I'd love to show you my laboratory." So mm-hmm. we went down there, and we went in the laboratory, and there was all these different machines. And so I would read the name of the machine, which I would I have no idea what it was. <laughs> see, I see, you've got one of those inverse thromboscopic, <laughs> you know, potter ZB machines. Yeah. How cool? How do you use that in your research? And then, and then he would, you know, get all he got all excited. Oh, we do that. We're studying the blah blah blah. And I had no idea what he was talking about. I said that is so cool. Tell me more about that. And I kept just using stroking mm-hmm. and inquiry. And I think the guy was just so incredibly lonely or something. Mm-hmm. He was he just was talking and talking, and I just kept like I just kept using inquiry and and tell him how, how neat I thought everything was. I had no idea though what he was talking about. Um, and then, after a while, he he looked at his watch and he says, "My my goodness, it's it's four fifteen. I've been talking to you for two hours. We were only supposed to have had a fifteen minute uh, interview scheduled." And I've got an important meeting o- over at the medical stu- uh, school right now. Uh, here, come with me. We can walk across the quad together and, and, and keep talking. I said, hey, that, that sounds fine. As we were walking this, uh, the steps out of that, that basement on, under the grass here, he, he put his hand on my shoulder and he, and, and he says, y- you know, I, I don't think I... I, 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 have, I haven't found out what your name is yet. <laughs> <laughs> who, who are you anyway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, oh, I'm, I'm David Burns from Amherst, Amherst College. And then he, then he patted my shoulder and he says, well, David Burns, I want you to know you're the kind of young man we need at the Stanford Medical School. <laughs> and I said, well, it's really nice to hear you say that, but I, I, unfortunately, I don't believe I'll, I'll be able to, to come here to medical school. And he says, what do you mean you're not going to come to, to Stanford Medical School? Of course you're going to come to Stanford Medical School. You, did you think Harvard is going to make a better offer? And, and, and I says, well, no, it's, it's not like that, but my father's a Lutheran minister and we, we don't have any money. And, and when the church offers him a, a raise, he always turns it down. And he also believes that borrowing money is a sin. And so I wouldn't be allowed to borrow money. And I've heard that it would cost more than $100,000 to go to the Stanford Medical School. So there's there's no way I'd I'd, I'd be able to to come here. And, And he says, that's ridiculous. I'm the chairman of the admissions committee, and I'm going to the admissions committee meeting right now. And I want you to know you're the number one prospect for this class. (laughs) <laughs> and tomorrow wow. you're going to get an acceptance letter that you're accepted to the Stanford Medical School, and you're never going to have to pay a penny. We're going to pay everything. Wow. And I said, well, that's an offer I can't refuse. And, and that's <laughs> actually what happened? That's what happened. that's why I ended up at, at Stanford, uh, Stanford Medical School.
0: Well, that's quite a story. Yeah.
1: But it was just uh, inquiry. Yeah. And and, stro- and 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 stroking and shows the the power of expressing an interest in, in another human being. And you say, well, that's some bizarre story that David told that would never work for me. I taught the same thing to my daughter. And she's had many job interviews for a lot of different jobs. And she says she's Every place, anytime she's ever applied for a job, she just finds out who's going to interview her, mm-hmm. does a little research on them ahead of time, and then gets them talking about themselves. And she says she's always been offered every job she's ever applied applied for. And she giggles about it. We laugh about it. She says, mm-hmm. it's like, I feel like I'm cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, also... Uh, I've, I taught this to law students at Penn when there were too many law students coming out onto the market. I became the referral rank for the Penn Law School. I taught them how to use this in, in interviews because they'd have like 50 top law students for every position. Mm. And because the the time, this was like, I don't know, it was years ago, but there was too many attorneys on the market. And and students would would come to me that they'd been, you know, turned down everywhere and then teach them to do this. And then they they said they would get uh, offered every single interview. They would win every single wow. interview. Doing this to find out about who's the first interview. Mm-hmm. And say, well, tell me about the firm. What's it been like for for, for you? Mm-hmm. Would you recommend rec- recommend this? And mm-hmm. you know, what would you be looking for in a young attorney? What would be a good fit here? Uh, and just just to be human, to form yeah. a human co- co- connection.
2: We probably should make the point. You couldn't. It wouldn't work if you were thinking you were going to manipulate your way. Into uh, the situation. If you come across in a phony, yeah.
1: manipulative way, it's not going to work. Right. Uh, you have to, It has to come from the heart, and you also have to show yourself with some dignity and some class, yes. uh, as well. So it's it's somewhat sophisticated,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: uh, this is a simple little technique we've shown you in today's podcast inquiry, asking people, you know, simple, simple probing questions to show a sincere interest in them and it, it can make a profound difference in 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 your life in a conflict with strangers and many different applications of this apparently simplistic technique
0: all right um i think that concludes uh, our uh, podcast for today thank you so much for joining us helen oh, you you bring so much um pep into <laughs> our podcast so uh
1: Hep as well as uh, a lot of wisdom. Absolutely, and, yeah. And, and beautiful statements.
0: And and also you know some uh, some diversity because you know the two of us are getting kind of like boring. I'm sure. And <laughs> and, uh, and Helen has always some really interesting ideas that uh, really add a lot of of uh, novelty to our podcast. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely, it's
2: it's a lot of fun for me to participate. Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: Bye bye everyone. Bye bye. This has been another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast. For more information, visit Dr. Burns' website at feelinggood.com, where you will find the show notes for this podcast under the blog page and where you can leave your comments and questions. The website has an abundance of resources for therapists as well as non-therapists, including books, workshops, a list of online training groups around the world, and much more. Theme music is Gypsy Jazz in Paris 1935, composed and performed by Brett Van Donzel. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and I invite you to join us next time for another episode of the Feeling Good podcast.